FM 104 is switched on and this next topic may be triggering for some listeners as we will be discussing eating disorders. But we are joined by Amy Hanley, founder of Mind Everybody Campaign. Hello. Hi, how are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for chatting to us. So there is a march planned for March the 2nd at 11am. But to start off with, tell us what Mind Everybody Campaign is. Um, So it started from um, the process of my daughter getting treatment. Um, So me watching her get treatment, it just, it really wasn't what it should have been. And it was extremely difficult to even get treatment. Um, There was no kind of connection and services. So it was really lacking and it really delayed her recovery. Um, So I started the campaign to kind of raise awareness of this problem of how hard it is. I'm trying to access treatment for people with eating disorders. Um, And it came from a place of frustration of like trying to seek help from TDs and HSE and the children's ombudsman and just not getting any kind of actionable results. Um, So it really came from a place of frustration and wanting better services. What is the current situation with services in Ireland? So it's not great. (laughs) Um, like in 2018, the HSE published like a model of care for eating disorders and it was calling for like 16, um, hublets and specialized teams. And so far, like only, I think 11 of them have been implemented and most of them aren't, or I think at least half of them aren't, um, even fully staffed yet. There's not enough team members. So even after all this time since 2018, it's still not even fully implemented, um, So that's something that really needs done. There's not enough beds, like there's more people presenting with eating disorders, especially since COVID and the beds are being reduced because there's not enough staff. Like um, one of the facilities in Dublin, Landera, used to have double the amount of beds that it does now, but they had to, they closed them, you know, temporarily because they didn't have enough staff, but they're still closed to this day because they still don't have the staffing. Is the waiting time a problem as well? It's a huge problem. Now, I don't know if it's changed because it's been over a year since, or I guess two years, I guess, since the beginning of her wait. Um, But she was waiting over a year on the comms wait list to get help. Um, And early intervention is so important with eating disorders because it is, it does have the highest mortality rate of any mental illness. And so the early intervention was so important, but then she was sitting there on the wait list for over a year waiting for help. So what are some of the demands that you're looking for with the campaign? So down to basics, funding and staffing. I mean, without funding and staffing, you can't have the services. Um, Ultimately, like I would love to see eating, like specialized eating disorder centers. So somewhere that's like it would provide medical and psychiatric help because it is very much a mental health condition, but it does have the physical side effects to it. It's like it is very harmful on your body. Um, and right now they're treating this, the disorder very much separately. So like the physical effects, you'd be treated in an acute hospital. And then the um, psychiatric part of it, you would be treated either in, in, in an inpatient or an outpatient facility or private therapy. So there's just no connection in thinking like the amount of time she spent eight months total, my daughter, in children's hospitals. And for those eight months, she did not receive psychiatric care for a mental illness. Is it easy 
access the information that's needed when you're trying to deal with an eating disorder? I didn't find so, to be honest. Um, like the GP referred us to comms and at one stage they did mention BodyWise to us. I don't remember at what stage. So we did do the pillar program through BodyWise. Um, but other than that, there really wasn't any supports available. Like while we were on the wait list, um, we had no idea really what we were dealing with, like in our heads as parents were like, you know, why don't you just sit down and eat? But we didn't understand. It's not as simple as that. Like it's so complicated, like the feelings and thoughts going through your head. So like it just, there wasn't enough kind of education and stuff available for parents um, while we were waiting for help. I also saw on your list that you're looking for the importance of having an ED specialist in hospitals. How would that change things for people with an eating disorder? I think it would be significant, to be honest, because that was one of the biggest problems we encountered was there was just this complete disconnect. Um, There's only one facility in the country that provides NG feeding if needed um, and mental health supports, but it's catchment based. So you're not always guaranteed a spot there. So when you're in the hospitals, you're not getting the proper um, mental health support. And then when you're an inpatient unit, and if you're not in an inpatient unit that facilitates NG feeding, then either they won't accept you or you end up kind of bouncing back and forth between the psychiatric facility and a general hospital. Um, so having an ED specialist in the hospital or at least therapeutic supports available while you're in hospital would make a huge difference. Um, because a lot of the times, like when they're in the children's hospital, like it's easy to get reliant on the feeding tube because it's easier to get nourishment that way than to orally eat. Um, so it'd be really important to have somebody there to kind of help discuss these kind of things and to help break the reliance on the NG tube. Um, so I think I think it would make a significant difference. Um, one thing as well, that's... Um, not all the nurses and HCAs, the healthcare assistants, not everybody is trained in eating disorders. And it's, they're so sensitive. Um, people with eating disorders, like they, they are very fragile and even small kind of things that people aren't aware of, like a lack of awareness and saying certain things can set back recovery progress. So sometimes staff might say something like, you know, it doesn't look like you need that many calories or you're looking well and this kind of stuff. And it's completely not helpful um, to people trying to recover because it's a difficult illness. They don't necessarily want to get well. They don't want to look well. Um, so all that kind of stuff, it really doesn't help with recovery. Um, so having specialists who are trained with awareness and sensitivity and that kind of stuff would really make a big difference, I think. You also mentioned earlier about your position as a parent and, and how to tackle it. Obviously, the person going through the eating disorder is having a really hard time, but it would affect the whole family as well, doesn't it? It does. Yeah, it's really difficult. Um, I ended up missing a lot of work while she was in hospital or, you know, transitioning home from hospital. It was a lot of driving back and forth to different hospitals and different facilities. Um on her oldest sister I have an oldest daughter as well she's seven she was 17 at the time she's 18 now and so she was left home a lot alone because I had to you know leave on short notice or be somewhere else um and then it was hard on her as well because she sees her sister getting a lot of attention and a lot of a presence and like she does understand 
her sister isn't well but at the same time it is hard as well to see somebody else get a lot of attention and we're so busy that we couldn't give her as much um so it really does affect everybody is there any way that that could be made easier for people like at the moment i've i've just um finally got my approval for carers benefit so that's going to be really helpful because last year it was very hard for me to find the time to take off. I had to take time off work on six certs and unpaid leave and this kind of stuff. And it's just not sustainable. Um, but then it's difficult as well because for things like carers benefit, you have to state like the dates that you need to care for your kids and this kind of thing. And I, I don't know, like I had no idea, like it was so unpredictable, like when she was in and out of hospitals, like that's kind of what stopped me from applying for it sooner. Um, so really any kind of, any kind of benefit like that from employers of the government to allow people to kind of have more time off when they're caring for somebody or at least better paid time off, um, anything really would help. It's just, it, it's a really difficult time for families. So tell us about the marches that are going to be happening on March the 2nd. So on the 2nd, I have three marches organized. So we have one for Dublin, one for Limerick, and one for Cork. And they're all starting at 11 o'clock in the morning on the 2nd of March. And the whole goal is just to raise awareness that this is a big problem and it's a nationwide problem. Um, I held a protest previously last November just in Dublin. And then I kind of realized, like, people aren't understanding some some. Um, politicians didn't understand that it was an actual nationwide problem so that was kind of the goal of this one to make it nationwide is to say look this is a problem everywhere this is not a Dublin problem and it's serious and it needs to be fixed. If people want to find out more they can go on to mindeverybody.com you can also contact Bodywise on 012107906 and the Samaritans on 116123. Amy Hanley thank you very much for chatting to us. Thank you so much. Thank 